Welcome back to episode 20 of the Amateur Theatre Podcast and our second script club looking at David Island's play Sadie, which came to stage in 2021 during the lockdown. It's quite a complicated piece and probably hear from a lot of our discussions that it took us all a bit of time to, to really get to terms with firstly how it was presented and secondly what the, the real themes and takeaways were from the, from the play itself. It's dense, it's covers a lot of ground it's got a lot of very important messages to get across and i guess a lot of our discussion is centered around whether they are delivered correctly whether delivered effectively and whether we left feeling like we'd been asked questions that we needed to go and answer elsewhere or whether we were given the answers in the play and whether the themes that it does bring up were important ones to us for us to be discussing and considering if you haven't read the play, it's also available to watch online on the BBC and formed part of the culture in quarantine season that they brought to the TV in collaboration with a number of different theatres and production companies. So well worth a look. For now, hopefully you'll find our conversation entertaining and it'll give you a good insight into the ideas behind the piece. So sit back and enjoy. <laughs> one's perspective but maybe i can start with you matt and get your why did you recommend it what are your kind of like what was your what was the trigger for you to well no i, I wanted to get pick something that was very new basically uh and spoke a bit to the pandemic given we've all gone through it so i thought it was nice to have something that would that had that at least as a bit of context so mm-hmm. we can sort of see how writers are responding to it already even though it's still quite a new thing and I know the B- this was part of a BBC series of uh, short plays that they commissioned or put on, so you can watch them all on, on iPlayer still. So yeah, that was the main reason. I just thought it was very sort of topical, relevant, in lots of ways also very like historical focused, as all David Allen's works tend to be. But yeah, I thought, but I thought it was quite interesting. And also thought having a, a female lead was also quite an interesting thing to talk about. Although I think, you know, the comparison between this play and Cypress Avenue, one of his other plays is quite interesting, where you have quite a similar character who's a man of a similar age with similar sorts of issues. It's something I did, I'd want to talk about at some point because I think he's starting to get in the realms of uh, parodying himself and using lots of cliche. And it might be because I sort of overexposed to this uh, sort of um, a cultural moment, I suppose. Like I used to live just over the border from Derry, London, Derry. Let's not get into the debate, debate about that. So, and you know, I, I'm sort of just very follow this stuff quite closely. So to me, it's 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 sort of like I'm just sort of watching, listening, and reading it, and going, "Ah, oh, God, I've heard that joke before." Like we've gone over this stuff before. <laughs> I don't know how enlightening it is to keep doing it. Essentially, on one is, level, I was going to say that on that surface level that seems true because i was thinking the same thing having read maybe three or four of his plays now but that and he does say like he's very english even though most of his writing is like this irish 
this very strong Irish kind of perspective. And he does say that he just gets it from like his uncle or his whoever it was or his granddad and his, you know, who obviously had those experiences and have told him of them. And he must have like cultural experiences himself of being there. But it does seem like he's, yeah, he's regurgitating the stereotypical stuff over the top, sort of smearing it over the top of his deeper stuff that he's, you know, the layer two stuff maybe that is slightly more interesting. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a very funny writer, so it kind of makes up for it in some ways. There are like laugh out loud moments, I think, when I'm, when I'm reading it. And, and and the other thing I really like what he, maybe this is going a bit too far too quickly, but I like the fact that he includes some quite taboo language and he represents people who um, I think other playwrights probably wouldn't. And I think given, you know, there's obviously a, probably quite a socially liberal bias among playwrights, he presents small C conservative people in quite a sympathetic way, which is much more interesting than I think lots of other writers who would tend to see conservatives as kind of the butt of the joke, aren't they also stupid and all this kind of thing. Whereas in this play, we, play we have Sadie, the main character, and she says some quite, some, um, you know, quite, I suppose some people would find offensive things. Um, but he includes them and he doesn't apologize for them. It's just a kind of representation of this. It's, this is how some people are, and that's a fact of life. So um, from that perspective, I, I really like it. But the wider thing, the sort of wider political context and all that stuff and cliches about Protestants and Catholics and unionists and nationalists, all that sort of stuff, I think it basically hasn't moved on in his writing at all. Um, right. When the reality on the ground, like in the last few years even, has moved on massively. So I think there was, there was there's a lot to dig into there, but he doesn't really. He's sort of a man of his age, I think, stuck with his perspective on things. Maybe too harsh, but um, okay. I think if he did a third play like this, I would be like, that'll be it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay, fine. The structure is quite innovative as well. I would say, yeah, it's quite yeah, an interesting structure. Yeah, definitely. No, no, he's right. Yeah, I think there's a there's definitely two elements to it in terms of his ability and his you know the way he writes is still very engaging but you might be right the the vehicle through which he presents his work might be beginning to wear a little bit thin i did what i it was a question that came to my head but i didn't know the answer to was like how nuanced is this i don't know um but like you said i think the thing that was actually really interesting in the play was actually more her or like the general idea of sort of when people have been so messed up in their lives, the things that it, you know, I think there's a very easy way in which you probably could meet Sadie on the street and think she's absolutely the worst person ever. And in a way, like, you kind of, like, wouldn't necessarily be entirely wrong, but also at the same time, like, I think it's a really good play of, like, that idea that you just don't know what anyone's ever been through, which I think for me that was, like, the most powerful aspect to the show, but it was also one where when I realised she's dead that for me I was like what the, what is happening and I felt like I was in the it was just this weird thing where it was all done like in a Brecht style play but it was really confessional really moving and then had like a sixth sense style ending and I was like these genres are like giving me whiplash but I also really enjoyed it I just left it like fascinated how you'd stage it was probably the main thing but also having both enjoyed it and also having like a lot of questions and making me feel like I wanted to look up the writer talking about it um, quite a lot. 
that was my that was my impression Good having enough. never read Diary of Ireland before yeah well we'll come we will come back I've written a specific note on thoughts on the ending so I guess we'll come back to that last little bit as well Cheryl what was your overriding kind of takeaways from it so I think in some ways I'm still trying to formulate them a little bit I think like Kelly I kind of I came away from it like what just happened <laughs> I, I'm not entirely sure what just happened parts of it felt like it was maybe a bit I don't know I don't want to say gratuitous as such but like it, it felt that there was there was an element of like voyeurism I guess I was kind of aware of or felt might be there kind of let's let's just I don't know lots of terrible things happen but in a very short space of time and they don't really get kind of unpacked it's just kind of like bam 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 like loads of kind of nasty stuff which I guess is kind of the point because you've got Sadie who initially at least does appear like a very unsympathetic character but I think just the fact that all of all of the kind of revelations are just packed into this end bit it's almost kind of it, it felt almost like it was for shock value rather than fully unpacked in a yeah, in, in perhaps a more meaningful way. And I, I don't know, I, I'd be, I just, I don't know. I mean, I wonder whether this was kind of a deliberate thing on like Ireland's behalf. Like that there's a moment when Sadie kind of turns around and sort of says, you know, what, why are there any men talking? And I wonder whether that's partly an awareness kind of, you've got this male ventriloquism happening in the play where it's about a woman who seemingly has gone through like all of these awful things but it's, it's coming from the perspective of a male playwright and a lot of that narration comes from male characters and we kind of we hear about most of the events through the men it's because of like them kind of making odd comments or something that Sadie eventually is like well I'm gonna have to say it and I'm gonna have to say what happened so I don't I don't know necessarily what I would have liked to have seen more but I guess I mean perhaps you know it, it is a short play so whether it's just like the speed at which everything had to be packed in right at the end it just left me I, I, I mean it was it was part of that kind of closing closing the book and going what just happened <laughs> like um and not quite having the time to process it within within the play itself which might might be the intention who knows but what of those big themes or what did you feel about those big themes and was there kind of like a difference in your head of reading it and maybe seeing it and I can run through loads of them. Obviously, we've mentioned that love story. We've mentioned the troubles, which is always in the background. Uh, mental health, domestic violence, women's rights, sexual abuse, alcoholism, acceptance of your situation, acceptance of the past, acceptance of cultural norms. Like, uh, you put a hell of a lot in there. <laughs> I just wonder what are your thoughts on... They are massive themes in and of themselves, but kind of what are your... What were your reactions to those? Yeah, so the big themes, to be honest, like as a whole play, the way I the way I kind of see it is, I don't know if it's in I can't remember if it's in the text, but the way it's staged is she starts in bed. So in my mind, that's the point that she takes the overdose, and then the rest of the play is the intervening period before she then dies at the end. So the whole yeah. thing is in her mind, and it takes place I don't know over a few hours or something. So that's the kind. Of, those are the kind of bounds of the play as I sort of see it having having read it a few times and seen it as well. So it's, it's, you know, it's kind of interesting that it goes, spans quite far out, given those are the quite tight boundaries in which it takes place. Um, but yeah. for me, the sort of big themes are the usual stuff to do with like intergenerational abuse. So like she's been abused by people older than her, and then she then in turn abuses other people or passes on that 
in some other way. And this is a kind of um, encapsulation of Northern Irish society in some ways. It kind of seems to be the message that's coming across. When I was reading it anyway, I think um, this idea of there's almost like two perspectives in life sometimes of like, well, I went through this, therefore nothing you go through that is that bad and you may as well go through it too. Like this sort of like, I went through it so you will too, like almost attitude. And then all the, because I went through that, I don't want anyone else to go through that type of attitude, which I think, I don't know. I I think that for me was the way in which a lot of those themes got encompassed, if that makes any sense, um, within that debate. So like particularly the women's rights kind of stuff and, and, and obviously sexual abuse. And I thought there was like a really interesting bit where obviously he describes what happened to him with his cousin, um, shows him pornography when he's like seven and um, masturbates in front of him, I think is what it is. And uh, obviously it's awful. And her immediate reaction is like, wait, well, you know, I thought you said you were abused. Like, that's not assault kind of thing. And obviously there's a big debate. And then, but the thing is, it, it, before that, when he's talking about the joke she made she's like well it's just a joke kind of thing and then he says, oh well I was abused and then she goes oh I would never have said it if I'd known you were abused I think like little things like that I think were very interesting because I think they're very real in the sense that you hear people say it all the time like another one was and he says like I'm depressed and she goes well you don't look depressed oh my god like um and I think on the one hand I think it did it well but on the other hand I don't know I think for me that in terms of like when talking about the themes that was kind of maybe one of the reasons why I, I in one way thought the themes were really strong and another way kind of was like what he's trying to do I guess and maybe maybe it's a good thing that I don't really know I don't know maybe that's our point is it makes you talk about it mm-hmm. yeah I mean I, I think that's an interesting point from a playwright's point of view that you're never just writing something in a void. You you have to have a mind to who's going to be receiving it, and inevitably it will be the kind of people who go to the theatre, who are mm-hmm. a certain kind of person generally. So that's going to colour how you approach a topic, probably if you're going to do it well. And if he had just written it, and you know, I suppose the Northern Irish issue to most people that is probably quite a niche thing, and therefore he probably has to kind of paint it in quite broad brushstrokes, more so than he would necessarily do for him for himself or um people in northern ireland who have direct experience of it so that's probably i think part of what's driving some some of the jarring aspects of it is that it's it's oversimplified probably for the particular audience um yeah and i think that's you know it's it's interesting that that he's had to do that i suppose every writer has to do that in a certain in a certain way but um it's just more visible i think in this play compared to some others like you can you can almost see the cogs turning and there is a kind of perennial question, I suppose, about what should a playwright do? Should they raise as many questions as possible or should they try and give the audience some direction as to how they should read this situation? And I feel like the kind of the problem we're all having is that there isn't really much direction as to how you should read it. Maybe that's the point. But then I'm not I'm not so sure with this particular play whether that's helpful. Yeah, I mean, there are so many questions that come out of it, but do you go away actually actually having any sort of direction about how you should think about things you know ask yourself questions but he doesn't really direct you to as to how, how you should start to think about them or which yeah. bits you should really interrogate or I think, I think that's my concern about voyeurism in it like let's just mm. put in all these awful things but not actually talk about any of it um let's just have it there potentially just for shock value and I, I don't say that that was his intention necessarily but 
I think there's a risk that that's how it comes across. It kind of feels like the first part is Arlen kind of taking a character and going, hmm, why is this person like this? Why why are they, why do, you know, perhaps, it, I, again, I don't know his, his political views or whatever, but he's kind of potentially taking a character who he, who he doesn't understand. And then he spends the second half of the play just chucking as much stuff at her <laughs> as he possibly can to be like, oh, this is probably why. Um, but without really unpacking any of that. And I, I, I guess, I know I've already kind of said this, but I guess that's the kind of thing that's like, Mike, you just list, you listed off like so many of the big issues that occur in the play. Um, and it, yeah, it, it doesn't allow you to really, I don't know, because I feel like, you know, the, the, a lot of the personal issues that happen within the play, like they, you know, does it does it matter that they that that happened in Ireland? Could it have been set elsewhere? I think it is important that he's chose to set it in Ireland at that time. Clearly, he did it for a reason. And like you could, I think again with a lengthier play or one that's like more a little bit more focused, you could explore. Okay, well, why were that? Why were these things happening in you know in Ireland at the time? And like, what can you read about like the political landscape and the violence that's going on, and then how the violence then permeates into the home and things like that. Um, but because it was all just like smushed in and then you've also got um like obviously Zhao's story and um so you're trying to unpack as well what's going on with him although he disappears very quickly really once you know they've had that initial kind of interaction yeah you're you're just left not knowing really where where to focus and which bits should be holding your attention and so I, yeah I don't know I, I was just thinking about the way that the play is kind of structured in those two parts and how much her character changes with the therapist and the role that the therapist plays and how that, that fits in with the themes uh, and maybe that's just on the page I haven't I haven't seen the televised version so I don't know how it would appear in performance it might be very different but um yeah I guess that was mine yeah. uh, again I think you, you've seen it right Matt you I think they're definitely brought to life hmm. on stage I, my in my head I thought that maybe if we looked at the characters we might get a slightly different or, or a more in-depth insight as to what the themes were meant to draw out for us. Obviously, Sadie, I think we'll leave to the last. Can we just work through them um, as quickly or as slowly as we want to, but just in terms of their impact on the play and their relevance to each of the themes we kind of discussed and to see if that maybe drives us somewhere else in terms of our understanding. How about we start with The Boyfriend? Matt, how do you pronounce it again? Joao, I think. Excellent. Yeah, what did we feel like he was in terms of value for the play? I think, well, I think, I think Kelly's hit on the main thing, but I think that there is another kind of un, unexplored thing that, that he hints at, but they never go into any depth. Is There's a line where she says, he says to her a bit, basically, you know, I don't, why would I care about any of this stuff? Like, it's of complete irrelevance to me. You're talking about, what the name of a town should be in a place I don't know and don't really care about. And you expect me to really care about this stuff. And I don't, and then, but then they just move on. But I think that's a really interesting thing, you know, in light of Brexit and everything that's gone on since then, kind of the relationship between Northern Ireland and Great Britain and within Northern Ireland, I suppose, within some unionist um, ways of thinking, the narrative is still the same, but the world has moved on. And you expect, and there's kind of an expectation that you know British people within Great Britain, within the island of Great Britain, um, should have some kind of 
loyalty or sort of strength of feeling with unionists in Northern Ireland should see the world as they see it. All these sorts of things that just completely jar with how with, with the reality. Um, and it, it kind of said something really interesting to me about the future of unionism, basically, in Northern Ireland, and that it's it's rooted in a very kind of, and literally in a historical obsession, but also that it was, I suppose, quite dangerous for them because they're trying to, you know, trying to talk to a population in the, in across the, across the Irish Sea that just sees the whole thing as completely bizarre and impossible to dissect and understand, and there's no attempt actually to make to to bridge that gap. It's just like, you know, you should be loyal to us because. 400 years ago, <laughs> we fought on your behalf. And it's like, well, you know, the rest of the UK has changed massively since then. And the, the point of him being kind of Portuguese is like, well, you can't make a claim to my ancestors because my ancestors weren't even in the UK at that point. So what's the connection? What, like, what do you want from me? I thought that was a really interesting thing. But as, I mean, as others have said with this play, it just kind of skips over it and then you go on to something else. But I found that fascinating, like personally, because, you know, it's, it sort of struck a chord with me. But yeah we, we we heard no more of it so that was it <laughs> there was almost too much of different things that it therefore made what it just made him a little bit i couldn't picture him as a result um i couldn't quite picture what his yeah for me it was just very like it started as like oh i've always liked milfs so then like <laughs> um uh you know it, it, everyone is obsessed with an age gap nowadays and then um i'm in love with you you and then but I, I, you also hit me and I think like it's it's got a re- it, it had really interesting things there but for me he just felt like a ghost of a character and not not fully fleshed out the I didn't know whether his kind of quite jarring personality was just the different snippets we were getting from her the things that stuck out so like also with his like with the flirting at the beginning and kind of because that that does feel quite odd like it's considering they've just met like the kind of their, their initial interaction is 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 pretty forward like you know and it's it, it doesn't again fit necessarily with him later on when you kind of see him being a bit more a bit more sensitive and a bit more kind of wishing that she'd be a bit more empathetic um so that was that was kind of the way I, I was I was trying to think about why why he's such a jarring character and why there's there's so much potential for stuff with him but yeah it's just skipped over and whether it's because we're just getting snippets of her memory, but we don't get it. I, yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. I I also think it was a, it was a, this might just be my take on it, but it did feel like it was just a slight opportunity for him to mock some of the stuff he might not like about that generation, you mm. know? Yeah. The, the, I thought that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, just, you know. I felt a bit personally attacked. <laughs> <laughs> To me, the re- like a really interesting thing is what do small C conservative millennials think about these? Like, how are they different from older generations of small C conservative people? So, like putting that kind of person alongside Sadie would have been quite interesting, I think, in hindsight, obviously. Um, but I mean, to, to Cheryl's point that maybe this is just her remembering things. There is some more evidence for that in the play when, like, Clark later on says that was unfair what she said about me. That's not what happened, and so on. There's all these kinds of corrections that are coming later on questioning the the account you've heard already so there is there is i think that going on throughout like there isn't a firm narrative here that you can really trust again a similar theme to the last play we talked about so maybe that is the case um okay so how about let's do red next what are our feelings on kind of again 
does he present anything different than a stereotype for anyone? Was there anything about him that was slightly more nuanced than what we expected from him? I mean, I'll say no <laughs> again. Yeah, so like, I, I he, he wasn't a surprise, like in terms of like the, the the kind of the abuse side of things with with Zadie like that that didn't come as a surprise at all so like I, I don't know I don't know that you wanted I mean we've been discussing for most of the podcast that like there was too much stuff to actually understand what was going on so perhaps the fact that this wasn't very subtle in my mind was quite nice like <laughs> I, I had like at least some sense of what was coming for one thing but um yeah like there was there was no real kind of revelation I I, I felt like he was supposed to come across as quite a nice character and like a Sadie's kind of like rock throughout the play. And then it was meant to be a bit of a shock at the end that actually it was, it was all bad, but I don't know that didn't, didn't happen for me. So I, yeah. I feel like he... It did sound like you spotted it before I did. Oh, okay. And therefore you probably were already formulating a dislike for him greater than I had when I, when I didn't, I didn't particularly endear myself. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't in love with him as a person from what I got from him, mm. but I, I certainly was, I liked him less <laughs> after I found out what had happened. So I guess maybe a bit of foresight that you may have picked up on might have, might have set yeah. you up in a different way to it set me up. But yeah, for me, I didn't, I didn't clock that that was going to be his role until she says the line in the therapist office where she starts talking about him and she says um he's the only, the only man who's ever who ever loved me or something like that always ever and I was like oh oh I think I see where this is going this isn't going to be a nice who's the only man you know the love of me it's going to be that really to the point of almost cliche but you know cliches are often cliches for a reason type thing where you know that that perception of the abuse and the abuser's relationship afterwards and how they see them and rationalize them and that and often that exactly that that thing of simultaneously the man in your life when you're a kid if you're someone who's abused is also the same person who's the kindest to you outside of that abuse and therefore it creates a complex um relationship to them um so yeah I thought as soon as she said that I was like oh okay um yeah yeah I thought Oh, I felt the first scene, it's like so unsubtle what he's there for. He's there to ask questions on behalf of the audience about what's going on, to, to catch everyone up to speed. And you're a bit like, it's a bit like a Shakespeare prologue in a sense, like in a different way. So for me, like as soon as that starts, I'm like, oh, we shouldn't be able to see this happening so obviously as an audience. Mm. So it just kind of put me off. But that's not about him necessarily. It's just about the way the way that it's structured. But again, I think, you know, it wouldn't be a worse play if it didn't continually drag all this stuff up about the troubles. <laughs> and maybe that's also another point about Northern Ireland that like you can't escape these things, even in most kind of normal everyday conversations. It's just a thing that is present in people's lives all the time still. Maybe that is a point, but at the same time, he's already done that in other plays. Yeah, I'll, uh, I've, I'll note it down as you're speaking. Just We may have touched on it, but we didn't really address who he's writing this for is he writing it for his is there an irish contingent out there that he wants to kind of pander to or is there is he writing it for you know 
a British audience just to remind them of the troubles are still the troubles to some people or you know I guess well I don't know maybe we can you can ponder that and we'll come back to it Clark then he is a again another stereotype does his stereotype I mean as you said Kelly the, you know a cliche is a cliche for a reason he serves a purpose and he fulfills that purpose with some vigor is is it good in the manner which is delivered or, or were we kind of was it too blunt a tool that he's using again yeah i kind of i again thinking about kind of how, how much of the play is kind of her projection of or her kind of remembering things i wondered how much of his kind of is it my turn yet was kind of her reflecting on his his narcissism as an abuser kind of like because there's that point where she's like no for once Clark, not not everything is about you so I wonder whether his continued like interruptions were kind of her, like that the reflection on him trying to continuously, yeah, take take the attention off wherever she was interested and bring it bring it back to him. But I feel like it it was a bit it was a bit of a clumsy attempt to reflect that narcissism if that was the aim. A bit, I guess the to I guess carry carry that that weight that that's what he's trying to do if, if that's the case. But I feel like his his main purpose is just to be the confirmation that she that she says to herself, oh, I'm to blame when he does bad things to me. Like when he's aggressive or something, he says she's provoking me and she basically agrees and says, no, I am, that's right. He's right and things like that. So that seems to me to be his, his purpose, that it's about her uh, victim blaming herself via him. Okay, so let's, let's move on to Sadie and see what Matt has to say. So, no, I do, so I do think she's... So um, quite a complex character, and, and that does come across. Obviously, she gets enough time to develop, whereas none of the other characters really do. Maybe in a way they have to be stereotypes because none of them really has time to develop in the way that she does. And you get to follow a sort of journey with her that you don't really get with any of the others either. The journey with them is just to the extent that they interact with her. Yeah, they're, um, they're train stations as her train kind of <laughs> drives through the play. Hmm. Yeah, that's a nice metaphor. Yeah. It's getting cut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing I like about it, as I said at the beginning, is the fact that she is the kind of character you don't always see sympathetically portrayed in theatre. And I like that. I like that she was allowed to say some things that were offensive or potentially offensive or, you know, rude or whatever. Like, it's quite a brave thing to do, to say things that people in theatre would be like, oh, I can't believe it, she said that. Like... Because it's in, in the context of her experience, these things aren't, like the show I was talking about, aren't a big deal. Like for her, you know, she slaps him and he says she's she's assaulted him. She just cannot get her head around the idea that that would be assault. Because in her world, that is, you know, that's just, it's nothing. So she's, yeah, she she allows us to go into sorry, a world. Sorry, just on that. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. Just on that point, it, it does, does that, is that fair comment just out of just to like not to get your personal opinions on what is classed as assault or not but the idea that she's slapping a man and that she's not like it's not a closed fist punch to the face or it's not you know it's not repeated abuse uh, are we expected to make a judgment on that or is it is it just a i don't know so when, when i was reading it and watching it 
it didn't it didn't strike me as like a big thing like oh my god she slapped him i can't believe it and like in the context of her thinking abuse is like an entire marriage of daily worrying about physical verbal threats treading on eggshells around someone you know constantly worried not basically not being able to live a normal life and then just to kind of you know you're annoyed with someone you have an argument and that's how you react you can see why she thinks it's not a big deal which i guess is the point you know in a way i don't know i, I suppose that it, it raises an interesting question about if you try and be black and white about these things is it possible to be i don't know um anyone some people will interpret that as being like assault i guess it depends on the victim's perspective of it and what they think and how how, how it's affected them that's the, that's the real definition um and something she doesn't really contemplate she's just like dismissive not an issue don't know what you're talking about so yeah i guess that goes back to the kind of kind of the generational issue as well is that she sees she sees a certain vision of assault and abuse and that doesn't accord with it so it's a completely different world and they struggle to, to kind of meet anywhere close to in the middle on it, I suppose. Yeah. Okay. For me, honestly, when I read it and it got to the stage direction where it said that she slapped him, I was like, this is going to make or break whether I hate this play <laughs> because I have actually quite strong feelings about stuff in visual culture, particularly recently because you see a lot in films and TV shows and plays or books where a man and women argue and the woman slaps the man and it's very normalized i think actually particularly if you even if you watch old films as well it's even more intense um but or like women throwing things like a hairdryer at the man it's like you know parent trap family fun film she throws a hairdryer <laughs> and um uh and like stuff like that and it's this kind of idea of like one if it's the woman doing it to the man it's like not the same and it's one of those things where, well, if the husband threw the hairdryer at her, we'd all be like, domestic abuse, like, immediately. Um, if he slapped her, kind of thing, in the end of that scene. And so I'm quite, personally, I have quite strong feelings that, you know, it's a double standard and that, no, like, there should not be um, any kind of hitting um, in an argument from either end. And I did think, for me, that was one of the moments in our play where I was like, if this is a casual, not then ever mentioned again, I'm going to be like, oh. Um, but I actually did enjoy that it became the fact that he did go to the therapist and he said, well, you assaulted me and that, that conversation happened because I think it did the nice job of sort of understanding because like, I think like, cause it is so prevalent in our visual culture. Like I don't think Sadie's like a minority example, like at all. Like I think actually a lot of people don't even think about, cause we're so used to seeing that dynamic in play out in like films and stuff. Um, and I think, uh, I actually thought that was a bit that I thought was really interesting because I thought they did play with it or like they did like sort of that scene even though it's not resolved in any way and I don't think um the fact that it then goes on to her abuse is this idea that it's like oh that's why you know so that's it's fine that she slapped him I think actually it kind of does a it explains why she thinks the way she does um but it doesn't excuse what she's done if that makes any sense um and I think for me like that for me that was probably one of the strongest lines in the like lines of um exploration in the play but yeah no it's brilliant no I liked it it's like, yeah it makes no, I a lot of sense. 
So no, I had a similar thought in that I, I felt like it was it was the way that it opened up about Sadie's experiences because the fact that she's so like casual about it immediately kind of starts the red flags waving her like okay well if she if she doesn't see that as assault so where where is her boundary and why why is her boundary at the level that it is what it what what is she used to um because she she makes comment at the time like oh it happens it happens in every relationship and then her is like oh really uh so like you that's that's your kind of your vehicle into finding out um about about her which is like I said, I feel like it was a little bit of a waste of opportunity with, with um, Joel, like to kind of explore him a little bit further or whatever, but it gave you a nice kind of thread into kind of her experiences and then why why she thinks it's, you know, normal, why she normalises it. Um, and it doesn't, it, you know, when it, when it happened, you know, when she's lapsed in, you know, I had a very similar response, which was like, oh, God, like, you know, made her even less sympathetic than she kind of already already was at that particular stage of the play but um I feel like it was it was a way of getting her to talk at some point about her marriage with Clark that perhaps wasn't as as clumsy as it could have been if the therapist had been like very directly saying so tell me about your marriage like you know like there was there was an, an, an obvious like way in immediately like why do you know okay yeah essentially i suppose it's a, it's a play about repression and the fact that she represses everything uh, or tries to repress all these things and they keep coming back and she can't she can't actually do it she wants she wants to repress everything but it keeps coming back and that's i suppose the point of clark keeping interrupting and the men keeping speaking over that she doesn't want to face up to them because they're too painful but because she doesn't face up to them she can't control them and they keep coming back and she's not in charge of her own story in a sense she's not in charge this is her play but she's not really deciding where it goes she gets pushed into all sorts of different directions and that to me is quite recognizable of people of that generation that i know it's a kind of that's the way to deal with things is just to not talk and try, try and imagine these things away or pretend them away and it just doesn't work and ultimately we're talking about someone who was by the end of the play killed themselves and that's the kind of thing it doesn't get talked about and obviously you don't know until the very last second essentially that that's what's happened but once you know that it becomes a very, i think it does become a very different play in hindsight um I, I do also think she's she's a fairly good representation of the connection between problems society-wide and then personal issues because the, i mean she murders her uncle she has murdered her uncle and in any other context that would just be seen as murder but in this context it's a it would be read as a kind of um you know a, What's the word? Like a hate, not a hate crime, but whatever the word is in the context of the troubles, she kills a Catholic as a as a as a unionist, and then like I think she mentioned that she's actually in the UVF or some way involved with them. So it's a you know it's a troubles related murder. At least that's how it would be read. But actually, it's not. It's a it's about her personal abuse. So it's the kind of I think a representation of how everything in Northern Ireland ends up being read through this particular lens, even though in this case it isn't. But this is something I was I was just thinking. I was going to say, like we, we've we've been obviously talking about the play for a while, but like the, we really haven't touched upon the murder, which I think is like the thing. There's so much going on in the play. The fact that she has murdered her uncle, albeit that he's awful, like that. The fact that that's not like a major event of the play, seemingly, like that's not something that 
and he must have picked up on like, oh, she shoves a red hot iron into her sometimes yeah. and then shoots him. And the, <laughs> the fact that that's not been like a major <laughs> plot twist, like I think, yeah. It, again, it's kind of there's just there's just so much in there, and like. But is that is that because it's a cathartic moment? It has to. There's. It seems like there's so much like flying around and stuff going on. This is the one you can. This is the the probably the only thing that gets a real nice ending. I mean, it's not nice ending, but you know what I mean. Like everything is either left open or you know has a bad. There's a bad result. You know, she doesn't even get her husband goes off, and you he even says like, "Oh yeah, I didn't hit my new wife." I mean, maybe he says, I hit her once. Yeah, one time. And you know she's had it the whole of their marriage, so that's like it's not even they broke up, and she still doesn't get the payoff that you know she's escaped him because she's actually gone. He's gone off, and he says, "If you were just a little bit stronger, I never would have done it." Like what? <laughs> if you just stood up to me, and she's like, "So that that invalidates the whole," because obviously she's presenting as quite a strong character. That, that's another way of, of undermining her, which is which feels yeah. just leaves a bad taste in the mouth. This is the one moment where you think, "Oh well, hey, look, I know someone's got to die." And take an iron to the face, but actually, we get, at least we get some finality to the situation, and there's a payoff to, you know, someone getting some comeuppance. Okay, so wrapping up the character stuff, is there any? Do we have any sympathy for any of them? Because it feels like we've talked through everyone, and we've talked around the big issues, but none of them have really like left an impression on any of us. As a, you know, all of them individualistically. I mean, like the abuse and the domestic violence and the mental health stuff we all know are really important relevant and like issues that need to be addressed but if we don't like any of the characters or care for them they kind of just drift off into another place where we have to you know face up to them and deal with them and this play isn't a good way of kind of delivering them to us to make us question anything there was a question in there somewhere, I promise. Well, <laughs> sympathies. He, um, well, so he, as, as you've just been kind of laying out, he does, for every character, provide some, a bit of balance to the ledger. Like there's a, there's some kind of explanation for why everyone does what they do. And that comes back to things that aren't within their control. It's their upbringing, the society they live in, political events, and so on. So there's a, I guess there's a plea there to say, there's a reason for everything and it doesn't necessarily come down to people being inherently good or inherently bad. It's they're shaped and all that kind of stuff. So it's the, that, I suppose, again, kind of um, stereotypical nurturing thing. But yeah, I mean, do, do I feel sympathy for them? I did for her for sure, because I felt like more than anyone, she was every single person in her life in some way seemed to, yeah, cause her damage in, in, in some some respect. And I think maybe maybe that's more than my slight issues with the play and the fact that, like you said, because all of the other characters are stations for Sadie, Sadie's the one you end up with the most empathy for because you feel like you've under, you you know her journey the most. And actually, I think there probably is more room for a very complex feeling of empathy for Clark that, I don't know, it, it's there... But for me, like I didn't, I didn't personally sit there reading and feel sorry for him. If that makes any sense. Mm. Like I didn't feel um, or empathetic. I did feel empathetic for Sadie, though. And I don't know if that's a, a failing of the play or not, because I think it's always difficult. Because he is also the person who abuses her. So 
maybe it's because we see that abuse, we could never feel empathetic for Clark. But then again, if it was a play where in which those four characters were more sort of four leads and it was a much more longer play and you had those developed like maybe one of the reasons things you'd feel the most is the con- conflict you feel in in having sort of seen all of their stories and um, yeah and he was such yeah. a brash unlikable man mm. that made it very difficult to really come away with much sympathy for him but okay good we're done <laughs> <laughs> thanks happy days oh. a terrible choice <laughs> to be fair I liked it a lot more before this conversation to be honest <laughs> sorry yeah well I'd, I'm a lot clearer about the play after this conversation which I guess is the point yeah. mm. I, I'm yes I'm that is true going to, I'm going to watch the like the the film version yeah um, oh the actor is very good I must say yeah yeah no it's, it's actually quite it is good right it is I think if you don't yeah, no, I, yeah. I, mean, I just, I think I stand by what I said originally. Like, once you start thinking about it, you realise that oh, there's a lot of kind of unresolved things and a lot of kind of not say poorly written, but whatever, whatever the thing is. But I guess if that, if like, that doesn't come across in the experience of watching it, then there's something to be said for it. Then, like, if it's only- but it is only because yeah, but it is only because like there's a lot of visceral stuff that yeah goes on that mm-hmm. like you know. Clark physically kind of tries to drown her and yeah, someone gets hit in the face by an iron and someone yeah. gets shot and someone gets, well, I mean. It's just that thing of actually it is a good play, but when you read it, you hear the writer's voice more. Mm. If that makes any sense, like your whole thing you said, like, you know, it's how like she's a bit too clever, like to the point where it, it's a bit like, oh, is this just like David Island showing off? But when you watch it, I wonder if you get that same sense or... Yeah. Or whether it comes across as, as her trying to make a point and it actually works quite yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And also if you've not seen or read any of these other plays, mm. a lot of what you said, Matt, kind of falls to the wayside in that mm. you do you don't have that reference point to go, Oh fucking hell, mate, really? Again? <laughs> the troubles? The therapist. Yeah. The And and if you but if you compare it to Cypress Avenue, which is like in my mind the companion play, essentially the same play, but it's slightly different. Um similar kind of brutality and violence and unspeakable things happen. So he, he likes to present these things as kind of matter of fact, I guess, yeah. which they were at a, at a certain point in time. I just well, he, he, places, he places them slightly in the abstract, which makes it slightly more palatable to a degree, I guess. I think if I remember rightly in Cypress Avenue, somewhat, uh, doesn't he kill his wife and put her in a bin? Or he, no, yeah. he kills a ba- baby. Because kills the baby, yeah. Yeah, After puts drawing. it in a bin. Yeah. After drawing, yeah. You should watch beard on you should read that one. So, like, this is pretty mild in comparison. <laughs> oh, yeah. God.